0: Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing in small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks as always for being here with me. We've got lots of different stuff to talk about today. But uh, first off, I did want to say that I am back from uh, Key West. Had a great time down there. Nice warm weather. Uh, great wedding that we went to. And, uh, you know, glad to be home. But uh, it was definitely nice to get away for a few days. So, uh, with that being said, um, yeah, where do we want to start? We, uh, well, I guess on my way down there and on my way back, I was watching the. Uh, the Bernie Madoff documentary on Netflix. And that was uh definitely eye opening. I don't really think I knew everything, or I, I I know I didn't know everything about what was going on there. And that uh the documentary was uh certainly eye opening as to all the different uh people that were invested following him, thinking he was uh, you know, invincible as far as what he was doing, how many times he'd been investigated, how many people were pointing fingers at him that it can't be real, and uh just the way that he got away with it for so long and ultimately, uh, finally got, got caught with uh, fraud when, uh, there was no money to give back to these investors in, uh, the financial housing crisis of 2008. Uh, so yeah, definitely a worth watching. If you have not seen it, I would certainly recommend it. But, uh, yeah, with that being said, um, yeah, the more the more I think about uh, some different stuff, I really like the idea of having an investment property and being down in the Florida Keys uh, kind of opened my eyes to the fact that maybe, uh, maybe that kind of market would be a better way for me to uh, buy an investment property. I've thought about uh, places in the mid-Atlantic and um, kind of some of the different problems that I've had with that are... Uh, capacity, or not even capacity, the the occupancy rate as to how many times I'm going to get someone to rent a beach house in the middle of February in the Mid-Atlantic really doesn't happen. So we've got like a five month window of going to the beach around here. And um, I don't know if that's really going to, you know, pay the bills and keep everything going the way that I want. So maybe a warmer climate where people are looking to vacation all year round might be a better way to go. Uh, and if it's not, you know, would possibly two houses in uh, in the mid Atlantic work? One mount, you know, more in the uh, the mountains and one at the beach. Would that give me enough to have enough income here and there to really kind of make ends meet for both properties? So I'm really trying to weigh my options. And uh, one thing that I found in in my search for trying to figure out if uh, a property is going to be feasible to own. Is a uh, website called Air DNA. I'm not getting a kickback or anything. I've just happen to find it useful. So you can put in the address, put in how many beds, bath, and and really kind of what amenities are around there. It compares other Airbnb uh, rental information versus the property that you're looking at. Uh, ultimately, tells you you know versus your payment, all the the monthly expenses. And really, what you could potentially see as income, average rentals on or average rental price for a, say, a four bedroom in this different area. How much could you potentially see there? And, uh, you know, really, what are your, your holding costs? What are your maintenance costs? It, you can kind of fine tailor that to really your situation, how much you can put down on a property, this, that, the other, and really get a, a broken down X amount of money in a given year minus all your fees and really see if the property is going to work well for you. So I found that helpful, helpful for me, so hopefully it works out for you if you're in that boat. If you're looking to get a, uh, a rental property, or if you have a lot of different experience in this, uh, certainly feel free to reach out on the, the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. It is not a lane that I've uh, you know driven down before, so if uh, you have any kind of insight, information, I would certainly like to start a conversation over there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just trying to really limit down what area I want to be in. Is a uh, a long-term rental, you know, right in the area that I'm in, is that more feasible, uh, or would it make more sense to have something that's more in a vacation spot that could potentially be more of those short short-term rentals that potentially can bring in some more money, um, you know? But there are risks involved in both ways. I'm I'm quickly figuring that part out. So uh, if you've got experience, feel free to share it up. But uh, yeah, so this morning, uh, it is Wednesday morning, the FAA went ahead and grounded some flights for a system failure. So uh, that is affecting every uh, flight in the U.S. to my knowledge. It was until about nine this morning. So I think they are slowly getting back online. But uh, yeah, major, major flight problems again today, uh, January 11th as I record this. And we also had those major Southwest outages uh, between Christmas and New Year's, we had about 3,000 flights or more that were uh, impacted from that. So I think I flew exactly at the right time. I was able to get away and uh, we didn't have any delays. I did see a massive amount of people. Um, the Miami airport was just crazy crowded at both times I went through there. Key West was swamped. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, you know, no delays on my end. So I know there were some other people out there. I saw people waiting and, uh, flights bumped back a few hours, but ultimately it looked like they all got out as well. And, uh, yeah. So I, I, I guess the point of the story there is air travel still looking, uh, very busy, but uh, also very chaotic and hectic with all the cancellations and delays and everything else that's going on out there. So hopefully, uh, between the FAA, uh, TSA, whoever else is having these problems, all the different airlines and pilot problems. Hopefully we can get that sorted out and get this back on track. Uh, Microsoft, uh, I think we talked about this last time, but they are investing up to $10 billion in open AI. I think that would give them about a 49% stake in the, uh, open AI or chat GPT that, uh, software that you can write, uh, you know, different uh, blogs or introductions or recipes or, or do any kind of different thing that you need to do in order to uh, really have AI kind of run your business for you. And uh, that's really a, something that we really need to figure out going forward. It's looking more and more like uh, a lot of different jobs are going to be either drastically changing or not available in 10, 15, 20 years. We've seen a lot of problems with uh, technology. if If people can simply have uh, an AI software write all these different things for them. We're not too sure as to what is going to be for those jobs. We've got uh, robots and things that are going to be taking over a lot of service jobs. We've got uh, autonomous driving that could potentially be taking away a lot of taxi jobs. I mean, there's, there's everything that we know is drastically changing um, more and more. Even, you know, space tourism, things that just didn't even seem real 10, 15, 20 years ago are now, you know, years away from being a real thing, which is kind of mind blowing to think about that, but we really got to plan ahead uh, accordingly. So it's nice to see that Microsoft is planning for that. They see that this could be a massive opportunity. And if they are willing to spend $10 billion, it's definitely something to take notice of. And uh, I guess at this point, I'm I'm happy that I have a, a stake in Microsoft going forward. But uh, we've also got more job cuts. We've got uh, Goldman Sachs cutting about 3,200 jobs uh, to reduce their costs. We've got Coinbase coming out and announcing that they are cutting 20% of their job force, which is about 950 employees. Uh, so those are two big headlines. I think more people point to the Coinbase one like that's big news because, see, I told you uh, crypto was a problem, but uh, I've seen, you know, I'm not saying I said that, that's kind of what the, the haters are saying. Uh, but you've also got Goldman Sachs cutting jobs. You've also got Pfizer cutting jobs, Amazon cutting jobs. It's not just a, a crypto thing. It's a, uh, a recessionary fear and a lot of overhiring through the pandemic. And ultimately, they couldn't get enough people. So if they could, they'd hire them. And now they're realizing that they don't need all these people when things are slowing down. Some of them just aren't doing the job the best that they could or they don't fit the company. So they are uh, getting the boot. So it's definitely tough to see. I, I hate to see people being out of, out of jobs, out of work. It certainly hurts the economy. But uh, I think from a lot of these companies, it is a sign that management has uh, got their, their eyes and ears open knowing that this is going to be coming, uh, possible recession problems, and they ultimately need to kind of slim down their payroll. Uh, so definitely a nerve-wracking thing for everyone that's going through it. And I had a friend that... Uh, avoided a a job cut at Pfizer. But like I said, these cuts are everywhere. This is not uh, one industry. This is not uh, a headline just because it's Coinbase. Uh, It's across the board. People are looking to cut jobs. Now, we've also got uh, Palantir and Cloudflare. Uh, PLTR and NET are the tickers if you follow along. Uh, They're announcing a strategic partnership focused on cloud computing. So definitely good to see uh, Palantir kind of you know teaming up in order to get uh, a little bit more cloud computing uh, presence. I know a lot of their government contracts uh, that kind of uncertain as to what Palantir always does. So it's good to see them partnering up with someone else to maybe help get that business rolling in different ways and uh, kind of get their products out to more people. So. Um, I've been in Palantir a long time. It has been a, uh, a painful stock to own, but uh, ultimately I do think that they are a long term winner. Uh, they just really need to get through some of the different problems and, uh, and uncertainty around that business. But, uh, yeah, stock in, uh, Amazon, they are going to be launching Amazon air in India on January 23rd. So they are looking to expand into that and to that area, that market. I uh, definitely think that's a smart move on their part. They are also announcing the buy with Prime to where uh, merchants that are not on Amazon's platform are ultimately going to be able to um, have Amazon package ship and uh, collect all their different payments and use Amazon's side of the business to help their business. Uh, so that one is uh, directly going to be hurting Shopify. And uh, Shopify is, uh, where are we at right now? We are trading down. The market is open. We're about $36 and Amazon is up about 3% today. So uh, one article I'm reading here saying this genius move by Amazon could be bad news for Shopify and PayPal. Uh, Yes, certainly could. You know, the PayPal payments are on Amazon, but now if uh, all the different merchants are using uh, pay with Prime you are going to see people using that prime checkout in order to pay for the goods on a third-party website. So a lot of different things to be uh, worried about there. Uh, Shopify uh, really does have some competition in that regard. But when you're looking at um, some different things here, you've got uh, another thing that happened is, this is a five-hour-ago article, Shopify just threw a big lifeline to Meta Platforms and Alphabet. Uh, if you remember the Apple, uh, Apple uh, kind of privacy problems of last year, they, uh, they turned the world on their head, really. They said that uh, uh, iPhone users were notified when an app wished to track their activities and were required to opt in to allow it to continue. Uh, so they didn't have all the data on uh, Facebook or Meta, Google, as to what people were doing. They had to opt into that. So now Shopify is uh, becoming an unlikely alliance with uh, Meta and Google, and they're looking to restore some of the status quo while providing software as a service, which is going to be a potentially lucrative growth engine for them, uh, for Google and Meta. So basically they are going to be allowed to share uh, their information, the Shopify merchants, they can share their own first party data and use to target comparable customers or those who bought similar products. So if you can share all your data now with uh, Facebook and Meta from Shopify, it is going to be a game changer for those two. So um, there's a lot going on here, right? You've got uh, some Apple issues that turned into a Shopify opportunity. Uh, Meta had a problem. Google had a problem with advertising directly to the people that were buying these items. Uh, Now Shopify can potentially do some things there. Uh, I've seen a couple of people say that Shopify is a great, great stock for 2023. Um, Now, I've also seen people say Meta is a number one pick for 2023, I think, because it came down so drastically. And, you know, this wasn't even really factored in the fact that they're getting information from Shopify now. But it really lends the story to where do we want to invest? Um, now, I kind of broke this down, and then I did a little bit more reading. I'm really trying to figure out which one is going to be the best play. Um, now, this is the second time I've recorded this. So I kind of already went through it one time, and then I read something else that changed my mind. So I kind of wanted to take a look at these different names. Um, you know, at first, I thought, you know, Amazon is the clear winner in this situation. Um, I still think that that is a strong, strong contender in this debate here. Whether uh, you go with the growth company like Shopify, you look at Meta for the fact that they've sold off so heavy and they are being uh, undervalued by a lot of different uh, historic metrics. You got Alphabet that uh, really has been punished along with Amazon as well. And now, so a, a couple different things here. Let me try to unpack this while I try to figure out what I'm, I'm getting at here. We've got uh, Shopify really had a lot of different problems. Uh, they came through the pandemic with, uh, with flying colors. They really looked great. And ultimately things really ended up slowing down for them. I think we bought, uh, I know it was early into the investing challenge in 22. We did buy Shopify. We are down 61% on that stake that we purchased, uh, you know, less than a year ago at this point. Uh, So Shopify, I'm looking over here on Google. I can't find the Reuters report, which would be awesome. But um, Shopify does have some some different problems going on here. We've got uh, the net income year over year from 22 from September is down 113%. We've got Uh, EBITDA, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization down 538%. When I look over at the balance sheet, they do have a good amount of cash. They have, uh, where are we at? We've got about $11.2 billion of assets, $4.94 billion of cash and short-term investments. Both of those are down year over year though. The uh, total assets down 17%. The cash and short-term investments down 34%. Their liabilities is also up fifteen point eight percent. So not really the the mix I want to see. That your cash and assets are going down, your liabilities are going up, but they do have significantly more assets than they do liabilities. So that ratio is is safe to me. Granted, I'm sure they're growing a little bit more, and they needed some of this this cash, everything else to weather the storm. Now cash flow, uh, this is this is problematic to me. The net income down one hundred and thirteen percent. Their uh, cash from operations down 611%. Their net change in cash year over year down 1,026%. Free cash flow only being up 27%. So a lot of things here that are definitely worrisome for me as an investor that really don't have me too warm and fuzzy about what's going on here. I really am worried about the growth of the company, the amount of cash, uh, you know, that, that, cash flow did go up, but a lot of these numbers are just, uh, kind of like what, what's going on here. Right? And you really need to do some more digging. Now, conversely, you look, uh, I'm going to pull up Reuters cause I find it a little bit easier to navigate and that's their E-Trade. Uh, I do have a link in the description. If you are looking to get started with an E-Trade account, they're still doing $3,500 up to $3,500 on new accounts with, uh, those are probably large deposit limits, but you you would get something for starting with a smaller amount of money. But uh, yeah, when I'm looking over here at Amazon, I do see a couple things that are much better in my opinion. Well, one, like I said, you've got them launching into India. I don't think they're doing that without uh, really weighing the market first or trying to see if there's more market opportunity over there. I got to believe that there is. They are going after Shopify with buy with Prime. They are going after Etsy by allowing uh, you know those merchants that are making custom one-off pieces to sell on a Amazon platform so they don't necessarily have to use Etsy. I'm seeing a lot of different growth drivers uh, where Shopify yes they are you know opening up some of their knowledge to Facebook or meta and Google that could certainly be beneficial. But uh, I don't know that it's going to be enough for them to weather what's going on uh, going forward. So that one definitely scares me a little bit. When I look at revenue for Amazon, we're looking at up 19% for 23. We've got revenue growth of 9% year over year from September. Uh, Gross margins of 43, net margins of 2.3. So low on the net margins, which isn't great. But, uh, you know, they sell a lot of product and they have a lot of different ways to make money. So I'll kind of wrap that into a a lower margin problem versus Shopify's negative margins. Price to sales on Amazon. This one is definitely notable for me. We've got a price to sales of 1.7. The S&P 500 average is a 2.1. So it's a 19% discount to that, but it is a 53% discount towards Amazon's five-year average. The uh, small discount on the trailing PE and about a 13% discount on the forward PE. So some definite uh, drivers there that you know look good. The price to sales, uh, no, I already covered that one, sorry. The peg ratio, we've got a forward peg of 2.6 and a five-year average of 2.3. So trading a little bit above that, but um, not anything that I am grossly worried about in the way of Amazon. I think a lot of these things are recessionary fears. A couple of people uh, bringing these growth targets down for the next five years, with what you know we might see going forward, and uh, I can't really say that that worries me. So, on the look of, oh, uh, not even annual revenue. Where are we at? We're at price target, fifty-eight percent of upside, according to Reuters. Forty-eight when I look over directly at ETrade, and if I pull up Tip Ranks, uh, I'll do that real quick. I know that the the numbers for Shopify are much lower. Uh, So where are we there? And TipRanks being a a site where you can throw in any ticker and get uh, some information as to what's going on out there. One that I like to use and uh, sometimes bring up on here. And we've got about 12% of upside for Shopify based on 23 Wall Street analysts. So this one for me is pretty much a clear winner. I would certainly go for Amazon over Shopify based on all these different metrics, based on some of the the financials of Shopify and some of their cash positions. Uh, Just a lot of things that worry me with them. The fact that I'm already down 60% probably leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. You've got uh, some different analysts saying it is going to be a great company in the next 12 months and it is a top pick. I don't necessarily see that. I think it is going to be a very tough environment for Shopify with everything that is going on. I know that a lot of people are really leaning into having online stores, but uh, it's really a case of how much is Shopify going to be able to make off of other people's businesses. And I I think in this case, I've got a clear winner for me would be Amazon. But um, that really makes me look at other companies, right? It made me look about... uh, at Google versus uh, Amazon in this case. So when I when I started doing that, I, I saw a couple different things that really had me looking towards Google and maybe not that it would be the, the same growth or the same rebound type play, but uh, a lot of things on Google that made a lot of sense to me. When I was looking over on Reuters, still a buy rating. You've still got uh, about 42% of upside. You've got uh, about the same annual revenue growth. But uh, when I went down to the margins, you got 23% of margins on Google versus you know low single digits on Amazon. We've got a 34% discount on price to sales. It's trading at a 1.9 uh, versus a 2.8 five-year average. We've got a much larger discount on the trailing PE. We're sitting at a 17.5, 46% discount off of where it normally trades. Forward PE of 30% discount at a 17.9. So. I definitely like those numbers more. I think there's more discount, there's more upside, there's more margin protection. And uh, you've also got uh, a peg ratio directly at a two. That is the average of Google for five years and the average of the S&P. So I definitely like Google in this environment for having a little bit more protection. You've got uh, you know Shopify kinda coming to their rescue too. They're gonna be giving out some of that more targeted information and not just information about what they're buying, but everything else that they're looking at on Shopify back to Meta and back to Google in order to really uh, figure out what customers want and who's buying what. So if Google can get the right products into the right ads uh, for the right users, uh, again, I still think that that is a major growth driver, one that we haven't really seen. I I don't think anyone's really uh, had that information out yet. So I think that could be a big move for Google, for Meta, and uh, this time I really didn't look into Meta so much. I'll take a quick look on TipRanks to see what we see here. Uh, I know the the PEs are cheap. I know a lot of the uh, I'm, we've only got about eleven percent of upside on Meta, on Meta according to thirty nine analysts, but uh, I think that could change with uh, some news like Shopify coming out. And uh, Google, where are we on on TipRanks? Let's take a quick look there we've got 39.78% of upside. So for me right now, not simply because of the price target, um, that does kind of help in the short term, but I still think that Google and Amazon would be my top two of these four names. And a lot of these different factors, price to sales, peg ratios, all play a part into me making this decision that they would work best for me. Now, not financial advice, just kind of my breakdown as to how I look at these different names. Uh, I try to look at uh, that immediate short-term knowledge based on analysts, based on uh, price to sales, based on peg ratios. But I really want to look further out as well. Uh, I really want to look at the runway for Google, for Amazon, for Shopify. And uh, I do think that they all can uh, have a bright future. But I do think that uh, for me, Google, Amazon certainly take the cake in that regard, especially comparing it to Shopify. And some of the management decisions over at Meta have been problematic. Yes, we're spending all of our money on Metaverse. And then they come out and they say, hey, we're spending less on Metaverse. And it kind of rallied up. And then really what happens with the Metaverse? If it fails I'm still concerned about what happens to the meta company. So a lot of different factors at play there. Uh, I do think that all of them could be, you know, decent picks, but uh, I have to lean uh, on Google and Amazon for a lot of different reasons. The fact that they've sold off so heavily is uh, is one of them. And I think they were kind of mistreated in that regard. Amazon, maybe more so than Google. Uh, that one, um, I still think that they are, you know, kind of classified as that a retail type company, and maybe people aren't going to be buying as much. Uh, Google got traded down on a lot of that Apple news and a slowing economy as well. But uh, I still think that both of them have a bright future, short-term and long-term, and uh, I'd be ready to buy either of them, and uh, I actually have. I did want to cover that too. I know I'd say I'd be a little bit more transparent about what I'm doing. I told you guys that I was uh, getting out of uh, about 10% of my Caterpillar stake. Uh, I did go ahead and do that. It, that limit order did trigger at 243. They did go ahead and prove me wrong, which, uh, you know, does happen. And uh, where are we at with that cat? Uh, went ahead and invested into a company in uh, battery tech, a battery tech firm called Lithos Energy. And they rallied up to around 251.90, I'll say. And uh, that's okay. I still got 90% of my cat stake. And I've also got this other money um, looking to invest in some other companies. And uh, what do we buy? Ones that actually triggered already were Google, Amazon, Tesla. Uh, So those three, I did buy Uh, a couple more shares. And then open orders that I still have out. We have Qualcomm, Blackstone, Arbor Realty. So the, uh, the three that are left are my dividend names that I was looking to add to. And the first ones being those tech names that I thought were, um, oversold, uh, undervalued, and I thought there was good opportunity there as well. So that's what I did this week. And like I said, these are all limit orders. So you can go on vacation. You can let this thing auto purchase. If you're out of town and you don't want to look at it, you set your price, you get your, uh, your targets all, all ready to roll. And you let the, the the software do what it needs to do for you uh, by having those limit orders and uh, you know things like that that make your life a little bit easier. You don't have to think about it all the time. It doesn't have to be that complicated. But, um, yeah, that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, let me know what your thoughts are on that. And also let me know your thoughts on uh, short-term rentals, long-term rentals. If you've got some investment properties, I'd love to hear what's working for you. So uh, please let me know over there. Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. I'm going to take a quick break and we will be right back. All right. We are back on the podcast. So if you have not yet subscribed, please make sure that you go ahead and do so. So you do not miss any future episodes or updates from me. Uh, Also, make sure you are on the Let It Grow Investing Facebook page to make sure that you are voting every week in our investing challenge. Uh, You know, last year we did outpace the S&P. Uh, We were negative. I will admit that we were negative, but we did outpace the S&P. We certainly outpaced the NASDAQ uh, by about uh, 15 percent, about five percent on the S&P. And uh, overall, uh, you know, I I think we can do better this year. So please make sure that you are getting your votes in. And uh, hopefully we will see some some turnaround in some of these names that we have been investing in over the past year and uh, really start to outpace. So with uh, that being said, um, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and get right into week three of our investing challenge here on Let It Grow. And uh, yeah, I do want to say week two, uh, I did not do a vote. I did go ahead and buy QQQ. It really kind of pained me because on on Monday, uh, the market was up massively at lunchtime. I would normally like to buy right around midday, kind of let some of that volatility Uh, really fizzle out, but it was rolling higher at lunchtime. Ultimately, uh, did fade back down by the end of the day. But uh, I think we are back being uh, up Tuesday and now Wednesday. So ultimately, I do think that this one has a good amount of room to run. The fact that it had sold off that 31% in 22, uh, I do think that it is getting to that point where it's undervalued and kind of left for dead. So that's A lot of the reasons that I wanted to buy that is to get that index of those high growth tech stocks and ultimately, uh, hopefully really recover this year. Uh, So that's what I did. Hopefully, uh, if you're following along, you went ahead and did that in your portfolio as well. We're gonna dollar cost average into this thing all year, regardless of what uh, dollar you can set on it. I know some people are doing 20 bucks, some people are doing 100, 200, $300. So really whatever works well for you if you want to follow along and invest, great. If not, you can simply follow along uh, with what we're doing and uh, and see if it can't give you any ideas for what to look for in your portfolio. Uh, again, not financial advice, just simply what I'm doing and uh, we're playing along uh, dollar cost averaging into some different names over the course of a year or really just looking for names to buy and we're we're dollar cost averaging into the market over the course of a year, maybe not directly into each name. Uh, so with that being said, uh, yeah, first one is actually the, the first stock that we bought last year, which uh, is NVIDIA. And uh, yeah, NVIDIA has definitely treated us poorly over that course of the year, but it has uh, definitely moved up nicely in the past couple weeks. So we bought it last year, right around that $300 mark. It got down to a low of 108. That was on uh, the ter- the 13th of October. Now we're sitting at 158. So we're up $50 in the course of about uh, three months roughly. And uh, that's definitely a nice solid move upwards. We do have a PE that is sitting at about 67 times. Beta is about a two. So it's a little bit riskier, as you can tell from some of those movements that have happened in this name over the course of a year. We still do have about 28% upside from 27 different analysts. Uh, I think that uh, some of the newer ones that are coming in Are much higher. We've got uh, a 220, a 200, 225, a 320. Uh, These are all price targets and a 230 within the past couple weeks. So some of the ones that were lower that were bringing this average down were a little bit more at that peak fear back in October. And uh, some of the guidance has moved up with some of the different things that have come out that uh, we still need chips. uh, The, you know, semiconductors aren't just going to disappear. We still do need them and uh yes we were a little bit oversupplied there getting out of the pandemic and and you know kind of out of that spending spree that everyone had been on so um definitely still a company that i think long term should serve us well i wouldn't mind averaging down from that uh, that $300 price point where we bought this one last year and uh buy some more now that it's down in the 150s so that uh is uh stock number 1 nvidia ticker nvda now number 2 Enphase Energy ticker is ENPH. Uh this one wow actually moved up nicely. Uh we were man we were watching this one. I told you guys that I was looking to sell this one in the 320s. Uh I did trim. I did trim in that 320 range. I think it went up to 339 and then you know it just dropped like a rock. We were let's take a look over the last month. We went down to about 227. So massive move in a short amount of time because December 5th, it was at 339. January 9th, it was at 227. So massive move down. Now that's with a lot of the different uh, EV news, lithium news, tech news, everything kind of sold off this one got wrapped up into that. I told you that if it got back down to these price points, it would be on an investing challenge. There was no doubt about that. I like this stock. I'm still up about 67% on it from when I bought it in 21. Uh, had been one of my biggest gainers and, and best positions that I had had. Uh, so now the fact that it got down to that 227, it is now up $11 today, about 4.8%. So that one is certainly looking good for me. I think we are finding a bottom. We are looking for some bright uh, kind of turnaround story in the S&P, in some of the tech names, in some of the uh, the EV names. And I think that this one should do well on a lot of that. It's very volatile in that regard. But uh, it is a, a positive PE. It is making money. And uh, that's more than a lot of growth stocks can say. And it's in the right place at the right time, if you ask me, being in those small microinverters, kind of the premium uh, solar option that's out there. And we've still got about 37% upside from 17 different analysts. And even the low right now is set at a 242, which uh, is still an upside. So it doesn't really look like anyone's predicting it to end the year worse than where it is right now. And uh, like I said, this one doesn't really owe me anything at the moment to be up 67% in uh, about a year and a half. I will take that anytime. Uh, So I do think it will rocket back up. This one is a volatile name. We're going to see this one run up, come back down, run up, come back down. But uh, over the course of the past five years, and now I'm going to have to switch back to my phone in order to pull this number up and kick myself out of the One E-Trade and into the mobile app. Uh, I'm going to pull up Reuters again just because I want to pull up this one number and I want to be accurate with it So when I go ahead and look up N phase On the uh, Reuters report here. We've got uh, a five-year growth of 9477% uh, Now that's you know, definitely a growth stock, right? But uh, this one has definitely seen that massive run up from when the time that they weren't making any real sales to now they're making sales and now they're profitable. So we might see a lot of that growth slow, but uh, I still think that we have a giant runway for success going forward. Uh, Forecasted growth of revenue for 2023, 129%. So giant moves there. Uh, We've got uh, decent margins, 14.7%, revenue growth of 63%. So a lot of things that are gonna be working well for end phase. I think this is one that you have to buy at the right point. Uh, Right point being the right stock price uh, because it's gonna do these massive fluctuations. And I didn't want anyone to see you uh, get hurt when you were buying at 320 thinking this one, yes, it's got 9,000% of growth. I already knew that it was going to fall. Only reason I knew it was gonna fall is because every time it does it, it retraces back to some of those lower support levels. And then when it finds that lower support level, it's gonna rally up higher. That's just kind of been this trading pattern that it's been in. Uh, that's why I got out of it when I did, and uh, at least a portion. So now I really wanna look to buy at a lower price point. So uh, number two, end phase. there's a lot of reasons that I like this one long-term, and I would not mind adding at this price point right now. I might even go ahead and add some more of this one in my portfolio um, in the next couple of days outside of the investing challenge because I like the price, I like the company, and I think it's got a bright future. Number three, Google. We, we pretty much already beat that one to death. Uh, I covered the, the fact that uh, it's trading way below its traditional values uh, on that PE, earnings per share, uh, forward PE, price to sales, peg ratios. They all look pretty pretty decent to me. The the fact that the PE ratio is uh, in the teens is also a great indicator of uh, a good value name. Uh, And we've also got the Shopify news that came out that they're going to be supporting uh, more of the ad-based things for Google, which should uh, definitely help their business as well. So Google, uh, I don't think you can go wrong with Google. I've I've already covered that one today, so I'm not going to keep going with it. Uh, MPW. We covered this one last time too, and uh, but if you haven't been here, I'll, uh, I'll give it a quick uh, run through as well. Medical Properties Trust. Uh, they are going to own the land that a lot of different medical facilities are operated on. It's a REIT. It's going to pay you about 9.2% of a dividend uh, over the course of a year. It's about 29 cents per quarter. So you're going to get a lot of money in the way of dividends in this name. Uh, PE is trading down at a 59 um, not your only indicator on a REIT, but uh, it is one that's noteworthy here. Uh, we've also got about twenty nine or twenty seven point nine percent upside on this name. Couple that with that nine point three percent dividend, and you know you're somewhere in the thirties about uh, upside for the next twelve months. Yes, it has had a rough year. Uh, a lot of that has due to the fact that real estate values have come down and there's not as much free cash out there. So I think this one should be bottoming when the real estate market does, which generally lags the stock market. So I think a lot of people are kind of pricing that in, but I do think that it is a, uh, a great company that uh, they continue to rent out these different leases in these buildings. They are more of a long-term lease. When people get a medical space, they like to keep it. Uh, once they set it up with all their equipment, X-ray, MRI, whatever else they've got in that facility, it, uh, it does take a little bit longer to move it around. Uh, so those are going to be more um, long-term leases that I do like. And yes, the uh, the real estate value has gone down. That is hurting uh, REITs a little bit, but I do think long-term this one is, uh, is really set. It's kind of a set it and forget it type stock. I, I don't like to really use that term too much as I like to keep up to date with what's going on with each company. But it is one that is more that uh, set it, forget it, leave it in a, a maybe a tax sheltered account so you're not getting that dividend income taxable from a brokerage account. You might wanna hold it in an IRA or a 401k. Talk to your tax expert, that's not me. Um, I, I would run it by mine. I just would prefer to see you guys make those right calls for where to hold something like this that's gonna pay you north of 9% uh, in the way of dividends. Um, so, And I'll I'll also add that normally I don't like to see dividends as high, but in the way of REITs, you are a lot safer because they are obligated to pay out uh, a certain percentage of their earnings in the way of dividends to their investors, which will ultimately uh, keep them in that status of being a real estate investment trust company or a REIT as we will call it on here. So definitely weigh your options on that one. Uh, I think for a lot of people that want some income in retirement, Great companies to look at REITs. You're going to also have a lowerable taxable income without having uh, your regular nine to five income coming in and only having uh, more of those dividends that you're looking at paying you. Uh, so, definitely something that you could consider. Even uh, being a younger investor or being closer to that retirement age could be a solid company for you to add. Uh, now, uh, number five would be United Healthcare. And this is also a company that made the cut because they had a lot of cash on the balance sheet. They had a lot of different uh, great things going for them. Insurance plays have been doing well. Um, Now in the last month, they have sold off uh, a good amount. From uh, Halloween, we were at a high of 558. And even uh, within the last month in uh, December on the 13th, we were at 538. Now we are trading at 492. I think that this one is going to weather any storm coming ahead. Uh, yes, there's been some you know, more payouts that uh, some different insurance companies have had to pay. A lot of the costs of uh, medical care are rising. And uh, the premiums might have not have been rising as quickly as the cost of all the goods that are used in a medical facility. I do think that that will uh, correct. I do think that insurance rates will correct to where it makes sense for them to take a policy uh, that's, that's their whole game is all the actuarial science and math behind everything that happens on that end of the business. Uh, I do think that the insurance companies will get that sorted if they haven't already. I'm, I'm sure that's right up their alley as to what they're going to be doing. So looking at, uh, the price targets from 14 different analysts, we have a 22% upside for an average price target of 602. Uh, and like I said, we're at 492, so about $110 higher from where we are here. And you do get a small dividend in this one. It is what? It's uh, about 1.3% 1. Uh, 1. on that quarterly dividend from United Health. trading at a PE of a 23.8, low beta at a 0. 0.5, so not as volatile of a company, one that I think you can also kind of set and forget you don't really have to keep your eyes on this one as much. And I think we're getting down to that point where it makes sense to buy this one. We are maybe right in the middle of the trading range throughout the past year. Could it drop a little bit more? Possibly. But uh, I do think that this is getting down into that buy territory for me. And uh, I'm curious as to what you guys think. So get over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. And ultimately, I want to see what uh, your pick is between NVIDIA, NVDA, Enphase Energy, ENPH, Google, G-O-O-G-L, uh, MPW for Medical Properties Trust, and UNH for United Healthcare. So that's, that's really what I got for you guys today. But uh, please feel free to share up your stories, whether it's on Airbnb, short-term rentals, uh, stocks that you're looking to buy or have treated you really well, stocks that you want to see up against each other in a future investing challenge, or uh, simply why you're picking the stock that you're picking for uh, week three of the investing challenge for 2023. So that's what I got. Thank you guys, as always, for stopping by and uh, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any more episodes. Thanks a lot. Take care. I'll catch you in the next one.